well, you take it, you look at it, and then you throw it out. I don't know if us as Mennonites are quite there. We're really bad at it, and I, it feels so awkward to me. I'm like, I don't know what this girl's gonna say. I don't know what I think about her right. for sure. He is in charge, and we have nothing to fear because he wins in the end. If it's in scripture and it's clearly spelled out and you don't have a personal conviction for it, then you better get one. Take accountability for yourself. And what if you didn't do your best? Yeah. And what do you, you do then? You go to bed anyway and you get up tomorrow and try again. Well, brilliant. Yeah. It's not brilliant. It's not rocket science. <laughs> We're very pink tonight. I like it. Yeah, pink is a good color. Yeah. Hey, tis the season, I guess. Springtime. Yes. So how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm here. I feel like you're sitting in a therapy office. <laughs> I do kind of. How do you feel about that? So do you have any pressing life updates for us all? I was trying to think of a life update, and the only exciting thing that I could think about is we scheduled a trip to Orlando for yeah. me and Eric. It is technically a business trip. He has meeting a meeting down there, two-day meeting, and I'm going to go along. And it's actually like the perfect trip for me because I get two days to myself to do whatever I want, and then a day or two to do something with him. And yeah, to me, that's like the ultimate oh, vacation, right? So fun. <laughs> I have I have a friend from church who like was in Texas, where our husband was in meetings and stuff. It looks so relaxing, reading by the pool, yeah, touring I actually, town. Yeah. Like I could do a little solo. It's which, perfect. Yeah, I love it. That sounds wonderful. We did it in Texas in the fall, and it was amazing. Yeah, I don't know. Things are humming along. I'm enjoying like the spring-like weather. I mean, it's crazy coming early and everything. Yeah. Um, I got an espresso machine that's been so exciting. So I'm busy flopping drinks left and right. Nice. <laughs> no, I haven't actually made anything that was gross. There's always like it was always redeemable, you know, right. at some in some way. But yeah, I still definitely don't have a perfect coffee recipe to share. But if you want to see my adorable Smeg espresso machine, I do have a video on it. Do you want to share your recipe while we're at it? Oh yeah. My recipe is like kind of a joke, actually. You're well, mine is too, so. <laughs> oh, so it's very nostalgic. But when we were kids, Sunday nights, often my dad would make something for dinner and he would either make like microwave nachos or these, I guess you could call them hot dog boats. He would take a hot dog, cut it longwise, long, the long way down the middle, and then spoon mashed potatoes in the little crack and then layer a slice of Velveeta cheese on top of that and broil it. Oh. And we thought they were the best thing ever, you know? They you were delicious. You guys are hot dog fans over there. You got your Judy Brew and your hot we dog We do goats. like hot dogs. But I made them for my family a while ago, and Eric thought they were really weird and gross. And <laughs> Jansen made them for his little family. I guess he's trying to carry on the torch. And his, or I think his son ate it. But Danica, the in-law, thought that they were gross, or she didn't prefer them. So it sounds like the in-laws cannot get on board the boat of the yeah, hot dog. Yeah, you had me until you said Velveeta, and I'm like, boiled <laughs> it, Velveeta? It is really weird, and Jansen made them and sent us a picture, and we're like, oh, nostalgia, <laughs> but we can't make them because our family doesn't like them. <laughs> uh, and Danica doesn't need it now, so that's the last time he'll make them too. <laughs> Who knows? Lewis likes them, so. Yeah, well, my recipe, I wasn't feeling super inspired. I've been cooking a lot of the same olds lately. I have, I've been trying some new recipes, and they've been, like, good, but... Like, I don't know. Are they podcast worthy? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm getting tired of sharing recipes. Yeah. To be honest. Tell us what segment you'd like to see at the beginning. We did household tips for the first. I got tired of those real quick, too. They were fun, though. They I were fun, but I ran dry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we need another little fun random segment at the beginning just to yeah. break the ice. We have to, like, warm up to these microphones a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I've been making these pink drinks. You guys might have seen them already. They're so pretty. I'm just not a juice girl, like apple juice. This is cranberry juice. It's just, 
it's good. It's great. But I, like, I'll never drink this whole thing. Um, but it's one fourth coconut milk and three fourths pink cranberry juice. So, bottoms up. <laughs> oh, all I taste is the coconut milk. Yeah, you gotta swirl it. I like the cups though. It makes it look more fancy. Yeah. You can get a little bit of the tartness. Yeah, it's just very light. Yeah, that's it's not like bad. sweet. Like, I don't hate it. I don't know. My children love it, and it's kind of a fun way to spruce up like springtime. And I think it would look really pretty with like strawberry slices in it. Yeah, or it would. So anyway, yeah. So we are never at a loss for what to talk about. But this week we were going to do a Q and A, addressing like questions from our past episodes. But apparently we were very thorough in our yeah conversations. Or I don't know. You guys just weren't bringing it. I didn't feel. No, we got a lot of questions. A lot of, like, similar questions. Um, yeah, but nothing, I don't think any of them really pertain to anything that we already talked about. Yeah, they were, like, they didn't understand the assignment. Maybe. We were not <laughs> clear with our assignment. Yeah, um, but that's fine. So we will do a Q&A in the future, most likely. Um, we just weren't feeling it tonight, and we thought that there was some, like, fun and interesting and maybe pressing pop culture issues that we thought we'd like to give our take on. And, yeah, it'll end up being a motherhood discussion and a Christian mom discussion. So it'll apply to anyone, even if you have no idea what's happening in the news. I don't read the newspaper um, or the news feeds or anything like that. Yeah. But there's some podcasts that keep me up to date here and there. And, I don't know, YouTube sometimes. So I had one topic I wanted to talk about. And you had another one you wanted to talk about. So, yeah, you can jump around. I'll timestamp this video. Or you can just come along for the ride. Yeah, please do. So, what did you want to say about the Asbury revival? I guess that's still relevant. Hopefully, it's still continuing oh, yeah, well, let's on hope so. as this goes. I know it's they kind of paused it for now, I think, but okay, I hadn't heard that. Well, no, I think I did see something about like, they weren't allowing public Republican, maybe. No, it's getting kind of like media-ish or something. It was becoming something it hadn't originally started with. Right, but yeah, which I'm, is bound to happen. I didn't dig into this too much, so why don't you go ahead and just give us the rundown? Tell me what's going on, and it's going to be interesting hearing our perspectives as Mennonites who belong to a very buttoned up culture where um theatrics and emotionalism and stuff is very much like looked down upon mm -hmm. you know even like speaking in tongues and stuff is very rare we're not very charismatic at all in our circles right. um so yeah that's gonna kind of frame our i'm not saying that's all right and good we're gonna discuss that in a little bit but that's kind of what culture we're coming from. Well, I will say I haven't researched this. Basically, my information comes from various other Christian leaders who have been speaking about it. And I've just kind of pieced together what they've been saying for my own opinion. But I haven't, I've seen some clips of the actual revival, but I haven't done a ton of like independent research, I guess you could say. But basically, it sounds like there was a chapel service. Um, I heard that the sermon that was preached or the prayer that was prayed was nothing like particularly like, spiritually evoking or notable yeah it wasn't particularly like i don't know just normal yeah. yeah and it just triggered this revival service that lasted for over a week of people just confessing sin coming to christ repenting um singing praying worshiping and the clips that i saw just looked no like a normal worship service um i didn't see anything like drastic or anything weird but I'm sure maybe there was some of that stuff happening I don't know but then you have other Christian leaders or commenters that are coming out and having all kinds of like how criticism it, sorry how did the meeting look or the revival meeting like let's talk specifics here so it's like you watch the clips online what I saw was just like worship like 
praise and worship, like a piano, some guitars. Yeah, that's whatever. what I. That's all Not I saw like, too. Not like I was envisioning when I, I heard about this. I like looked it up, and I was envisioning like you know raucous music and like yeah, real like it was seemed very reverent, very like um, everything was in order. I felt I don't know like there's some people raising their hands and swaying and like praying and you know gathered in little groups and stuff. It looked. It, yeah, it, it was really amazing. And this is at a college campus in Kentucky. Yes. So, yeah. like, keep that in mind, too, I guess. This is, like, Gen Z who's, like, searching. They're, like, it's rough out there. Yeah, um, if you think about... There the, is no truth anymore, right, in this generation that they've been brought up. Like, your truth is your truth. And, yeah, they're just searching. So, yeah, it's really exciting. If you think of all the things that Gen Z is facing, it, it's probably scary for them. I mean, it's scary for me. And I can only imagine if, you know, the world is looking to you to be the future leaders... And we're handing them this world that we, you know, it's it's a mess. And yeah, I think, and the one thing that I did think was interesting, like we're saying that the worship service was pretty tame, you know, nothing dramatic. And someone commented that they think Gen Z is just done with the theatrics, done with the drama, done with the big show. They just want honest truth. And I think that's really encouraging. And I'm encouraged by the revival. And I think that my takeaway from the whole thing is, I'm sure they're not doing it perfectly. I'm sure there are people going there to take advantage of the situation, to twist things, to manipulate for their own benefit. But let's be praying for the revival. It has spread to other colleges. I think we should be praying for that to continue. I think we should be encouraging and praying rather than criticizing in this issue as well as other issues too. But um, it's just, to me, it's discouraging when everyone has all these critiques. Well, they should be doing it this way. This Oh, look at this red flag, red flag. I mean, if someone's... what are people saying that are like the red flags? <sighs> like revival is so exciting and it should be expected. It should be like demanded actually. And like, right. I don't know. It just made me feel inspired to like take it into my neighborhood. And like, I don't know, just to feel, you know, that feeling when you like hear a good wedding sermon or like you're listening to a, you just feel fired up about your mothering or your, your, I don't know, being a good wife or something. Like yeah. there's nothing like that feeling of like feeling reinvigorated in your spiritual journey and like. I don't know, it's something that I've noticed. I was watching a couple different commentaries on revival and this, particularly this Asbury revival and how it's repentance. You have to have right. repentance first before there can be revival. You have to clean house before you can, you know, be clean and new again. And I think that's something that my generation out there in the world and like even, you know, Gen Z and stuff, like we don't want to repent. Nothing's wrong. It's my truth. It feels good for me. You know, whatever feels good to you. Women can do nothing wrong in this day and age anymore. Yeah. If a woman does it and it feels good for her, then it's the right thing. You know, it's just like such a, that's the common mantra of today. And so it's just really exciting to see people that are like repenting and starting fresh. It is. Um, I, to be honest, I've heard more people saying, let's pray about this than I have, and talking against the criticizers than I have heard actual criticism, just reference to criticism. Um, Allie B. Stuckey had a podcast on it and she had some, not necessarily criticism, but some red flags or some warnings that she saw. And I thought they were good. I agreed with her on most of them. But, and her takeaway too was, you know, it's encouraging. Let's, let's keep praying. Let's hope it continues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there is some valid warnings. Anytime you have something like this, you know, we're, we're imperfect humans, but God can use it. Like, even if it's not done exactly perfectly and that maybe not everyone that preaches is theologically sound or perfect, Obviously, they're not perfect, but God can still use it, and he can spread it like wildfire, and I pray that he does. And the way that I understood it was that there wasn't a ton of preaching. It was a lot of just, like, music and prayer and 
um, I think student led, yeah, student led. It was yeah. like totally not organized or yeah. And that just really spoke to me. Just show up, like have your daily devotions. You don't know what God's gonna do. Um, I feel like with our Mennonite rigidity, with our like, I don't consider my Christianity, my Mennonitism, a religion. Like, I don't do it for the sake of religion. I do it because I think it's the truth and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, we do have this way of, like, everything's, like, rigid. We sing two songs, and then we, you know, pray, and then we have a 40-minute sermon, and then we're going to ask for a, a altar call who wants to come up and kneel and, um, you know, start over again or have some revival in their life or whatever. And um, I just think it's really, like, it was a reminder for me that when every time we show up in God's presence, like, we're inviting him to do something big, it doesn't have to be necessarily like we're at a revival meeting. Like, have you ever had a sharing time at church where people just kept going or were sharing more? I don't know. Like, it can snowball, I right. guess. And people are warning against emotionalism, which is all well and good, but emotions are not wrong. And if the Holy Spirit is moving, there will be emotions. Like, that's all well and good. So not all emotionalism is bad. And for Mennonites, too, we tend to be critical of anything that's too dramatic emotionally. And I think we need to be on guard against that because emotions can be and will be involved when the Holy Spirit is moving. Yeah, I know. Me and Josh actually were discussing this, um, just to lighten the middle over here, a while ago about, I was like, man, if I started my own church, we would have much more rousing, like, singing. And, like, we would be, lift, like, our church, yeah, occasionally somebody lifts their hands in worship. Like, I would feel awkward doing it just because that's not how I grew up. But... I would definitely not be looked down on if I did that at my church. Um, but it's not just, we're a whole being. We're not just our brains. We Like, God doesn't want us just to worship him with our brains. It also should be in our spirit. Absolutely. Um, and in truth as well. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, so, obviously, there's a wrong way of doing worship as well. Or yeah. There's a better way of doing it, I guess I should say. I don't know if us as Mennonites are quite there. We're really bad at it. And I it feels so awkward to me to, like, display any sort of, like, you know, put your hands in the air, whatever. Like, to me, I just, it's not how I was raised. It is, Yeah, those of you that go to church, how do you guys do it? I I would love to know what's the mainstream. Like, is there just a worship band up front and you kind of just sway back and forth and sing? Are you guys doing, like, the hymns yet? I don't know. It would just be interesting to see what your worship looks like. I think so often, um, as Mennonites, we're taught to, like, focus on the words. What are the words saying about God and everything? But I feel like also, like, and then we often make fun of, those praise and worship songs that repeat the same line over and over again. But read the Psalms. I mean, they repeat and yes. repeat too. And also, I was part of a mom's group where they did that style of worship. And whenever it's just like repeating and repeating, it actually becomes very meditative because you're not really thinking about the exact, like, you know, like the hymns are very wordy. Every right. And they're beautiful poetry. And I love that. I but love you, you so easily tune out. Yes. And just sing them because you know them. Or and you're if you not focused, even... you're focusing with your head. Whereas, um, which is fine. That's part of it. But with the praising, like with the praise and worship songs that repeat themselves over and over again, that often is a bridge that will be the same line three, six right. times, whatever. Your brain starts going, you start to get bored. Or your brain starts to think about how is this truth relevant in my own life? How am I, like, and it's just like a very prayerful experience mm-hmm. kind of. And I really like that. I think there's could be a mix yeah. of both. Um, I wish, I don't know how you change something like that though. Like my church is so, I don't know what's the word, stoic or like so. Stoic's a good word. Like yeah. no outward emotion. And I don't think that means that people aren't worshiping. 
But it would be nice sometimes, I'm sure for the preacher who's preaching to have a little bit of feedback. Yeah, like, amen. And amen here yeah. or there. Like, no, that would never happen. Oh, really? No, it's, it's very quiet and reverent, which is good. I think there is, there is a balance for sure. But I do wish... But I'm not, like, I'm the first one to feel uncomfortable with it, so. Yeah, I think part of our Mennonite um, upbringing with, like, church life is, like, twofold. One, we have German background, you know, that's very, right. like, to yourself, and it's, like, a private faith, and we're not just, like, word vomiting all of our problems right. on each other, you know. But then I think it's also this reaction to, we don't dance, we don't, you know, we don't want to be suggestive in any way, or rowdy, or, you yeah. know, and so, like, it does have its place, I guess, but I feel like we could definitely balance things out a little bit We could bit lighten more. up a little. Yeah, yeah, I think we could. Or allow the spirit to move if it feels like, wow, we should repeat a verse or, like, let's sing an extra song or, yeah, you know, did it, if somebody – like, I, the shape of our singing time is just you sing the songs, you plug through them, you get on to the next thing. Like, how cool would that be if people would, like, share how it spoke to them or things like that? So, I don't know. But you could also do private worship at home. You right. know, with your music as you're washing your dishes and things right. like that, too. So There's a time and a place for it. Everything. It was a really good, thought-provoking, like, news event yeah. that I was really happy to see. Like, it made me really excited. I felt like it was such a bright spot with all the other scary things that are happening in this country and around the world. Someone wanted us to talk about politics, which is a hard pass. But I think we can all <laughs> agree that there's some very concerning events, you know, going on in our country and throughout the world. And it was just... A reminder to me that God is in control and he sparked this revival at a college and it's spreading hopefully across the country. I mean, it's spread to a couple other colleges and he is in charge and we have nothing to fear because he wins in the end. Yeah. And I think the challenge is too, we should carry that revival into our own lives to our, like our homes, our children, our neighborhood, our church. Maybe, maybe share a little more than you normally would if you feel like God is poking you. Um, you don't know. It might spark somebody else to... And maybe let the what happened in Asbury be a conversation starter. Yeah, that's very true too. Yes, and like the Bible says, you will know them by their fruits. We'll be able to see in time. But I feel like as this happens, as people go out into the real world again and that spiritual high kind of dissipates a little bit, they're going to be tested with real life and stuff. But we should not be looking at them, waiting for them to fail. Right, right. And be like, oh, see, it wasn't really real. We should be, like, cheering them on. Yes, and, like, absolutely. Hug a teenager, honestly. <laughs> it's rough out there, I'm yeah. sure. Like, I can only imagine. It's hard for me, even. And I don't have that peer pressure level built in as much. Right. I feel like I was much more self-conscious as a teenager. And so I can't imagine trying to stick out and be different, take that home to my family, or, you know, to a sibling that knows that you used to just be a jerk, what, you're going to just change overnight. Yeah, and, that would be hard to completely yeah, change so. your life. But yeah, I don't know. Very good topic. Another thing that happened lately was that um, Jane and I both listened to Ginger Duggarvillo's book, Free Indeed. Becoming Free Becoming Indeed. Becoming Free Indeed. Yeah. On, and we both listened to it on Scribd. By the way, we like need a sponsorship by Scribd. <laughs> really We should. both love it. It's um, You pay by the month. Um, but if you sign up down below, I think you might get a free month. You get the person get, who signs up gets two free months, two free and then months. whoever's link we use will get one free month. Yeah, so I'll put the link down below, and yeah, you can at least try it out for two months. Listen to her book, Becoming Free Indeed, or find other ones that you want to as well. But it was very thought provoking, and I went into it, and I'm like, I don't know what this girl's gonna say. I don't know what I think about her right. for sure. Like, I did watch the counting on 
TV show on TLC, I think it was. And so I thought the girls were all nice and cool or whatever, but I don't know. I didn't know what I totally thought of their faith. I went into it pretty clueless. Like I hadn't, I just thought the Duggars were like, kind of like us, except they weren't Mennonite. Like I thought that they were Christians, like in the same manner that we are. I had no idea who Bill Gothard, I heard the name Bill Gothard, but I didn't realize how messed up he was theologically and otherwise. One of the main themes in her book was how she had to take her Christian faith that she was taught by Bill Gothard and disentangle it from extra principles he was adding in. False principles. Well, the false principles were taught by Bill Gothard, the Christian faith. Well, he taught taught it under the guise of Christianity. And a lot of it was Christian-based. Like, there was... Definitely so a lot of Christianity taught disentangling as well. the truth of scripture from the lies of Bill Gothard. Yes. Yeah, which I don't know, maybe he had some truth too. I, but I'm sure she brought out does. the ones that were totally false. It made me think, as a Mennonite with a very countercultural faith, like, do we want to say religion? I don't like that word. Like, it like, is a religion. Christianity is, but our... it's also a relationship. It's it's both. Um, I think. Yeah. I, I'm just not sure what exact word to use, but our Christian principle, our Mennonite principles that we use and live by and everything, it made me think, you know what? Am I being taught the truth entangled with some man-made things? Because, you know, people, you just heard our wedding episode. If you guys listened to that one, there was a lot of guidelines and rules that we had yeah. about our weddings, and those are not in the Bible. They're definitely extra. But... I think through the process of thinking through my faith, I was trying to think of each aspect of my life and how it's so different from the rest of the world. And there's a biblical principle to back up Mm -hmm. pretty much, pretty much everything I do. And then a few things that there necessarily isn't an exact verse for, it's not against scripture and it adds to my life in some way, benefits my life in some way. I actually thought that I would come away from the book more jaded by Mennonites and more like oh, we're so legalistic. And actually, I think it actually taught me the opposite, um, how the things that she did or were taught to do were from totally skewed reasons. Um, They weren't biblically based at all, really. And I think the reasons that we're taught of why we do things are actually based in scripture or for good reasons. So I, yeah, I felt like I came with more strong however i will say i don't think we've always been taught what like we just are told to do the things we were told to do and say it's the church role blah 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 there is a biblical principle behind principle behind it but we might not always be taught that and you have to almost you have to almost stumble across that for yourself yeah in the future and then you have these people that i would love to get into this some other time but i don't know what do you what do you think are the role of conviction has on your life like how important is it to be feel personally convicted of something it's to me I heard somebody just say in a YouTube video that they weren't personally convicted to do about a biblical principle and so they're not doing it and I had to think is that getting kind of close to this world's mantra of your truth is your truth my truth is my truth and God calls us all to like it might look totally different in your life like where's that line well if it's in scripture and it's clearly spelled out and you don't have a personal conviction for it then you better get one yeah because we're, we're, we're that was what our revivalist talked about the other week like if you love God it's not hard like if you love God yeah like you personal convictions are all fine and good but they need to be something that's like not clearly spelled out in scripture or something that's like maybe the scripture isn't quite clear on and you're gonna you know put your guideline above and beyond that I think 
And, yeah. that, and that's fine. But you can't take something that's clearly commanded in scripture and then just say, well, I'm not convicted to do that. Yeah, I think so many times, and I'm speaking for myself too, like personal, our personal sin nature is to read the Bible and figure out what can we get, what loopholes can we find, what can we allow in and still get into heaven and still be a Christian and still, you know, make God semi-happy with us. Mm-hmm. Scripture is alive and God can use it to speak specifically to you, but you always need to remember the context of scripture and it's not going to necessarily mean something different for you than it does for everyone else. You can't take a personal interpretation. Like Noah went south. Oh, I need to go south. Yeah. You know, or, or you read about fasting. Well, God's telling me I need to fast today. Not necessarily. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, reading that book was really good for me just to like, I put my faith to the fire and I was like, like you said, I thought I'm going to be skeptical about Mennonitism. Yeah. I did, yeah. And then this is one other thing. I feel like I'm going to step on some toes here, but I don't have all the answers. So let's remember that. But let's be very careful about anybody who's Mennonite that's listening. I keep hearing it, and I've said it as well. Oh, it's our culture. Oh, it's our culture. Mennonite is our faith. Mennonite is part of our faith, but it also has its own culture. Um, and I think sometimes we chalk up biblical principles because we don't want to say it's in the Bible, God says it, and we just say it's our culture. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just something I just heard somebody say that they cover their hair because it's their culture. No. There's Maybe biblical... the way you cover your hair is cultural. The way, how you cover it could be. Correct. But the reason we cover it is, is a not cultural. We do not feel that it's a cultural reason. Oh, that's true too. Like cultural in the Bible, like some people do say that. Yeah, just I just don't want to get that confused. Like we are thinking that it's a biblical standard. The way we do it is cultural, for sure. And you can apply that biblical standard according to your culture. If you, if your culture would do like a colorful head wrap or a a baseball hat, even like that's yeah. not necessarily that that's culture. But the biblical standard is not. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, and the, but then, the, of course, there's other things, too, like having a simple wedding. I'm sure in the Bible times they had very lavish weddings. True. But we take the biblical principle of living modestly yes. and um, frugally and, like, putting our, our – we're not part of this world. Um, we're part of God's kingdom first as a good reason to not spend all kinds of money here on this earth. Let's right. do better things with it. So, no, you're not going to find the exact thing in the Bible. It is a cultural thing, but it has biblical principles to yeah. back it up. Yeah, good point. But anyway, that's just a – the Mennonites of it all. You take whatever you've been taught and how you are raising your family and your children and um, or maybe how your parents are raising you yet if you're still younger and at home and maybe just make sure, hopefully we're not just listening to preachers with a blind eye and not really lining it up to the Bible. You know, that's why Bible study is so important. Yeah. If we know the truth, things that are not white will look black. Like it'll right. be... And you study the truth, not the counterfeits. Yeah. Right. Janet, you want to go ahead and tell us your analogy? Uh, Well, I'm sure everyone has already heard that. No, but but you worked at a bank. I worked at a bank for five years, so I have a license on this one, right? Yes. (laughs) When you are trying to identify a counterfeit or a false doctrine, you don't go around and study the false doctrine. You study the Bible. Just like in the bank, when I worked in the bank, we were not taught to study the counterfeits. We were taught the markers of a real, genuine U.S. currency and what that looked like, the different things to look for, the security features that are embedded, how you can hold it to light and see the strip or whatever. We were given examples of some counterfeits, but we didn't study them. We studied the real thing. We could tell when we counted if a counterfeit was in there, you could tell it just by the way it felt. How often would you get a fake one? Very rarely, but like 
you can when we would feel one like they felt different like and we didn't there's always one like do people when they're trying to clean their yeah. cash do they only usually give out well, like 100 honestly most of the people that we would have gotten them from were probably innocent of course yeah like, they got it at green dragon and working at the market or something yeah but i'm saying when people are trying to clean their cash or whatever like their counterfeits are they giving one hundred dollar bill or something or a twenty or probably what? depends i don't know a whole lot about money laundering but <laughs> <laughs> just like you could feel the difference and we didn't know the difference by studying the counterfeit we were so i mean we counted thousands and thousands of bills every day so we knew those bills inside and out and if you gave us one that wasn't real we would know it they just so, ridiculous yeah, yeah good luck yeah good, good luck i love it um wow so yeah, very good principle. I think most of us have heard it before, but yeah, yeah. It's nothing new. Now, how do you think that applies to me in my feminist book I'm reading? Should I stop reading it? No. Because that's studying the false doctrine, I feel. But although, I didn't know if it was false doctrine when I started it. I was like, hmm, maybe I'm a slightly, maybe feminists have a good thing going. And I started reading it and it was just so plainly. But why like, was it obvious? It was obvious because you know the truth. Yes. I know, but I'm saying, like, is there a benefit of me reading what the world views a woman as and what their role in this society is? Like, is there a well, danger you, in me I th- reading it the rest of the way? I think the benefit of you reading is that you are identifying it as a counterfeit. Yeah. Instead of just saying, well, I don't know what they believe, but I'm sure it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, like, I couldn't, back to the bank again, if someone gave me a bill and I was like, oh, I heard bad things about that bill, I'm not even going to look at it. <laughs> No, you take it, you look at it, and then you throw it out. Yeah, that's <laughs> or give definitely going to happen. Yeah, oh my word. I, I, one Sunday afternoon I was reading this book about the history of feminism. And you know what? There is actually, it, they were reacting, the fem- feminists were reacting to some real, like some real things that were wrong back right. then. Like they, but they did it in a wrong way, and they didn't get those results they wanted. So henceforth, we had this second movement and second wave and third wave now even. And... Anyway, it was just really enlightening. But as I was reading, I was taking notes, and I just thought it was just like, I thought I had one good thought, and then I had two, three, five, and it, what was it? I was scrolling. It was like a couple pages of notes, and I only got to page nine. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so I'm not done with it, so I'm not going to hold too many comments. And if you're a feminist out there, I'm sure we actually agree on some things. I'm sure we do. Um, but, Yeah. That's a very interesting study and very relevant. Yeah, for sure. So that brings us to another thing. We got a lot of questions in our Q&A about parenting and parenting questions. And Jana, why are we not going to dive into that today? Because we are scared. (laughs) We're scared (laughs) of you. No, I think that parenting advice should not come from someone on the internet that doesn't know your child. I think parenting advice is so personal, so individualized to your specific situation. Now, there are truths from scripture that you can apply to parenting, but you can do that yourself. You can look at the scripture and decipher that for yourself. I don't think I have any wisdom to give you. I mean, I can tell you what worked for me or what doesn't work for me more likely, but it's not necessarily going to help you in your situation. I mean, I've gotten my children through the newborn stage and through the toddler stage, and now we're dealing with big kid issues like dealing with emotions when we're tired and what's appropriate and what's not and how to control our emotions and express them appropriately. And um, my youngest son is dealing with some, I don't know, I guess I can only call it social anxiety, something that I'm not myself familiar with and helping him deal with his worries and walk through that. And I have no idea what I'm doing. So I think the more I learn, the less I realize that I know. So I am not- Oh, for sure, for sure the one to go for 
to go to for parenting advice, I would encourage anyone that has parenting questions to reach out to people who know you and ideally who know your children um, yeah. to get advice from. People who Not care about you. Not to say that, like, I've put out YouTube videos before and I probably will actually do another one here in the future. Like, people ask questions about, like, well, how did you, like, sleep train your child or, like, different stuff like that. You can, like, say what you did and, like, whatever, but when it comes to, like, exactly, like, training up children, I have no idea how to train up your child. Right. Um, There's nothing wrong with sharing tips and tricks, and maybe we'll do that here and there, but it's yeah, just... Yeah, or, like, procedures and, like, routines and, like, yeah, just little hacks that work for... Hacks, whatever. But, like, it comes down to... Everybody should check out um, This Mama's House. It's a YouTube channel, and she doesn't really talk about parenting and stuff too much, but she was talking about being a mom, and I loved what she said at the end, and this applies to parenting so much. In her video, she said, at the end of the day, when you lay your head down on your pillow, just ask yourself, did I do my best? And if you did your best, then you go to sleep and you get up tomorrow and you do your best again. And she was speaking to like these mothers that don't really have a aim in life or they aren't excited about mother. So therefore they're just phoning it in or like, did you really do your best today when you sat there for 35 minutes while your kid was saying, mom, 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 I want a snack and you were scrolling on your phone, you know, things like that. Take accountability for yourself. And what if you didn't do your best? Yeah. And what do you, you do then? You go to bed anyway and you get up tomorrow and try again. Do you apologize to your kid if it's yeah you could you could or you could even like there's nothing like that fresh start of telling you know your son like yesterday or even you could say this past month you know we've been doing way too much screen time or we've been I've been I have not been very no has not meant no yeah I've not been very disciplined and when I say no you don't think I mean it and I don't think I mean it and you know explain to them I like to call it boot camp this is what the new rules are Kids are adaptable. They can learn. Yeah, they and, learn very quickly. Yeah, it doesn't take long. And I think sometimes actually just telling your child, like, okay, things are about to change here, you know, skips a step or two. They're not going to have yeah. to learn the hard way too as many times. Right. Um, now here we are giving parenting advice. advice. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so, well, the parenting advice people were asking for was not necessarily. No, like, what do you do with a two-year-old who throws a tantrum or, like, sleep training stuff? I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, because, like, my goodness. When my one throws a tantrum, I might react completely different than when my other two-year-old did, you know. Right. I guess I can share one thing that has been working really well for my seven-year-old. He, (laughs) I, you all know, I am not a list person. I hate lists. Well, apparently, I am raising a list-loving son. Oh, no. I write him a list. I've been doing this for a couple weeks now, so I can speak to the effectiveness of it. But I write him a list when he comes home from school things that he has to do, like whatever chores I can think of, and then any school tasks that he has, Bible memory, book it, whatever. And he needs to get this list of chores done before he can have any screen time. And then the screen time will happen after a certain time if he gets his chores done by then. And he is, he doesn't complain about doing the things because they're on the list, you know? He gets to check them off when he's done. He doesn't complain about doing them. He doesn't argue with the list. And you're speaking to my soul here. (laughs) He doesn't even like ask for screen time until the list is done, like he just knows the list is the been- list is not done. And if he chooses not to do his list, I don't care. You know, sometimes there are things that he has to get done, but other times I'm like, he's playing with his brother nicely, not begging. I mean, like, who cares if he doesn't get his list done? He's making the choice, and he knows he's not going to come and ask me for screen time when the list isn't done. So, it's been working so well. Brilliant, yeah. It's not brilliant. It's not rocket <laughs> science. But for me, <laughs> the hater of lists, yeah. That's why I do, in some ways, like the whole like the whole genre on YouTube of like hacks and like routines and things like that because sometimes you just gotta try something new and it just might work. Yeah. Or it might not. Like it's fine. 
I think it's fine to experiment. Like, yeah. We don't experiment on your kids too much, but at the end of the day, <laughs> that's what it is. We're learning as we go. Right. Exactly. Oh, this. And I saw somebody wanted, I don't watch a ton of shows, but they wanted some TV show recommendations. Yeah. After one of the <laughs> previous episodes, I had mentioned how I make tasks more enjoyable by watching a show. I do and YouTube. She does shows. A couple different people ask me what shows I watch and no, I'm not giving away any of my secrets. <laughs> You're Listen, gatekeeping. Um, I could tell you what I watched, but then you will say that I'm wrong. 50% of the population is going to say you're wrong because you shouldn't let this slide or that slide. And the other 50% is going to be like, my goodness, you prude. Like, Right. <laughs> so there's just nothing to win by me telling you what I enjoy watching. I mean, you know the biblical standards. You know... Um, what triggers you have or exactly. what things... Exactly. Yeah. Everything is... Even books, like... I recommended books to my friend and I never once like thought about some of the stuff that was in it and they're like oh my word like they didn't love it it is easier to recommend books and podcasts because there's just like one element to it but when it's like a show but even more so exactly you have it's so much and like some things really bother some people I think that's where personal conviction comes in and I think also personal conviction too is just like the amount of time we're like yeah just filling our brains with so you know? here's one recommendation. You want a recommendation? Read Ginger's book. That's oh, the only <laughs> one you're getting from me today. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. We've been talking for 44 minutes. Yeah. We, we were worried. no idea how this would go. <laughs> we're like, we just want to talk about, we just want to talk about what's been on our minds lately. Like, have a timely episode. Yeah. And so we have, I have a few notes here. And I think we got some of it covered anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that was fun. My goodness. Now I know what somebody else thinks. Are we like yes women like do we just hype each other up on our own views or i think like some of these past episodes people were like you were saying you were really dogging on thrifting and stuff like i think people like when they see the I opposite somehow opposite blown really away how many people commented and said they hate thrifting and someone even said i never admitted it like i was scared to admit it because you know it's like pretentious it, or it actually was a little bit scary to admit because <laughs> i came off as a snob or i was afraid i would i didn't intend to but yeah, so I was very encouraged by my yeah. fellow non-thrifters. We should start compiling a list on our phones and, like, in six months from now, do one, like, our own personal hot takes. See how many other people agree with our, Yeah, like... I was very <laughs> pleasantly surprised. Oh, man. Okay, so what are we taking from this episode today? Um, maybe this ties in with two of the things we said. Don't be... Don't let your first reaction be criticism. Like, we were kind of skeptical of Ginger's book before we read it and came away blessed. People were skeptical of the Asbury Revival. They're critical and skeptical of the Asbury Revival. So let's just not let our first reaction be... Skepticism. Yeah. Yeah, believe in the best, I guess. We love chatting with you guys each week. Thanks so much for being here. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye, everyone. Bye.